0: The mic. The, mic. The, mic. The, mic. the mic. Outside the mic. Outside the mic. Outside
1: the mic. Thank you for flying. OTM.
0: I think that's supposed to be. We're back. Oh, and we're back. Oh, that was season two. We'll do something different for season three. That's right. <laughs> it is season
1: three here on Outside the Mic. I am your lovely blonde
0: co-host, Jared Weimer. You didn't tell me you're going to change your description like that. That's I'm Martin Meyer. Sorry. Yes, you are my lovely blonde co-host sitting to my right. Welcome back, everybody, to your Outside blonde blonde the Mic. Your voluptuous blonde co-host. Where we do? What do we do here on Outside the Mic?
1: Here on Outside the Mic, we banter all matters
0: music. Mostly we do. And we have a lot of fun. We do, and it's been a a while. We're not going to spend too much time on how long it's been, because then we'll spend as much time as it's been since we've been gone. And And let me
1: tell you how long it's been. Hmm. Don't. How long has it been? (laughs) As the youngsters say, it's been
0: a quick minute. I like that. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that term. A quick minute. Hey, I'm turning myself up here. That doesn't turn me up there, right? Yeah, that's just my monitor. That's just your monitor. I just wanted to hear more of me. Than you you than can tell
1: you. it's been forever because we don't know what <laughs> knob does what here in this uh, studio. But
0: Oh, yes, folks. Yes. Dust the
1: cobwebs off.
0: You know, it's interesting because when you think about it, and I did think about that, for some people, you know, we do have a small... Relatively small following right now of sort of dedicated outside the micers, outsiders we call them, it's and a for cult, them, cult following, cult, yeah, cult, cultish following that we, we have. We sacrifice
1: <laughs> a, uh, lambs, leg of lamb. Oh, uh,
0: we sacrifice. I'd something, sacrifice much, a leg of lamb right sacrifice now. Sacrifice some sleep this morning. Oh. <laughs> Getting up really early, but but anyway, they may sense that there has been a long time. But then, if you think about it. And as we continue, because we've got, what do we have for a body of work right now? 23 episodes from two seasons? Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. So somebody might not even notice. They'll be clipping through and then they'll hit season three and they're like, what are they talking about? I just listened to the last episode. And as you go through, it
1: just gets better. It's like fine wine. Yeah. As it ages, as you go through the seasons, Mm -hmm. we get a little funnier. We get a little funnier looking. Get a a little more aged.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, I think we've rationalized everything now for that that big time. Season three is all about 15
1: second uh, episodes, so
0: farewell. Okay, my hot blonde Mm co-host. Here we are into season three. What does that feel like? You know, we talked a little bit in season two, uh, touch upon real briefly, about how we had started out with sort of our core principle of doing an outside the mic story. That's where the name comes from trying to find something interesting, something fascinating that perhaps not everyone has heard about uh, regarding an artist in the mainstream media, something they might have done that would have been a little bit out of their career, uh, outside of their career. And then we started launching into several other segments. I think we listed all of them off in like season two, episode one. So now we're kind of just, we keep finding our way and it changes here and there. Yeah. Uh, we still like the name. We're not going to change the name, even though we may have veered a little bit off from our original core concept. Our the podcast is now standard.
1: introspective audio from an, a, another point of view.
0: Wow. I A O. V <laughs> That's our new cast. Oh boy, let's not go there. That's cool though. I like that. That's an um uh, it's sort of a romantic way of I don't know if I'd call it that, but it's definitely a different way of saying we banter all things, all matters music. That's still gonna Mostly be our catchphrase, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so, because there's a lot of bantering happening right now and not a lot of music. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Here we go, like okay, 20 minutes into it. And and again it continues as it did before, where we wonder if we're going to have enough to talk about, and then we have too much to talk about. Reel it in, boys. Yeah. Hey, something I want to kind of start off with. Hmm.
1: Back in December, please do. Of the dreaded 2020 year. Yeah. Did you see the article where Bob Dylan sold his entire music catalog to uh,
0: the Universal Music Group? You no, know, I did not. Yeah. This is this is literally back in December of. Well, wait, just, okay, that seems like in my head I flicked to like a year ago because you said 2020, but December was just last month. <laughs> Two months from the air date, wink, wink. Oh, gotcha, yeah. Well, of course, <laughs> we don't have to say that we track <laughs> on the same day that you listen to it. But uh, no, I did not hear that. Wow. Yeah. So for those who, and if you don't know Bob Dylan, shame on you. I think everybody
1: knows But But uh, uh, he they has, do. he's known for his songwriting. He has... Gosh, I can't even tell you the number of hits, but... Um, Gosh,
0: golly gee willikers. God, golly
1: gee batman.
0: batman. <laughs> <laughs> so he, his entire catalog, everything he's ever done, he saw, who'd he sell it to?
1: Universal Music
0: Group. Okay. okay.
1: For how much, do you think? Um, What's, what is Bob Dylan's entire catalog? He, he no longer owns any of the royalties. He doesn't see a check for any of that. He got a big lump sum. What do you think
0: that number is? Well, I'm looking, first of all, because I'm curious, you know, I know Bob's still alive. Don't be Googling. Are you Googling? Don't be Googling. I Googled a little bit because I just wanted to see how old he was. So I'm thinking maybe that has to be part of it because you own this incredible, vast body of work. And obviously for your family. I thought you were going to say he's
1: got an incredible vast body.
0: Yeah, I was. No, it's you, Jared. For an 80 year old, he's not doing too bad. talking about you again. We're talking about Bob Bob. right now. Good old Bob. Jared. But does that make sense more? I mean, it's. Wow. It's that'd be a hard decision to make. So if he's going to do that, he's going to have to do it for a lot of money. And he sold it to who? Universal, you said? Yep. Universal. Okay, Uh, Bob Dylan's. Man, that is so hard to try to fathom and wrap around and how much that's worth. Okay, I'll think of something. I'm going to say a couple hundred million dollars or something. Is that crazy? Yeah, you're not wrong. Roughly $400 million. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something in your lifetime? You think about how many people like Mozart, who we talked about one time, you know, died in poverty, had no idea what kind of a legacy they left here's a guy who created something in his lifetime that he can now turn around and it's and it's art and he can just turn around and sell it for 400 million dollars that's insane wow
1: yeah and your first question is why would he do that yeah you know if you play the long game and you reel in the the royalties that he would make off of that surely it would surpass 400 million but we probably wouldn't. Stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> and don't call me late to dinner.
0: It's like, uh, oh, man. I'm really deep in. You, deep in. Digging deep in for that you one. You're
1: throwing them dad jokes out, man. Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> early. It's I'll early. wake up.
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, the amount of royalties that he's probably getting in. Well, I did some research. At first, I thought, and it, this kind of rings true, I don't know if it's the reason that he decided to cash in, but. So, he's near 80. I think he's 79. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a senior in his in his years. Yeah. And so, my first thought was, what is he going to benefit other than his family? He's got six kids. Other than his family, how would he benefit from that money that he's going to see, the royalties coming in, if, let's say, he's got, let's hope, another 10, 15 years. And I hate to put a number on it. He could...
0: He could buy a new car.
1: He can, <laughs> he can. I'm sure he's got several new cars. But oh yeah,
0: it'd have to be a. Pretty, it's probably a car that's worth 400 million somewhere on this planet, right? Is he like he's gonna buy Bob Dylan's original car, which now sells for 10 million dollars somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he does have um, something he wants to. Did it say anything? Did he? Were there any comments that he kind made? Kind of, there... and it,
1: and the article that I got it from it was actually from Rolling Stones. Just kind of, it was a lot of speculation. Obviously, you're not going to go, hey Bob, why did you why would you cash in? You you going on a trip? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, so he's got six kids, and the way that they kind of panned it was, what's easier, divvying up the rights to certain publishing royalties? Ooh. or divvying up $400 million.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. You have a, a known quantity there. Yeah. And, and you know you can, those
1: kids are going to be set off of $400 million. Just the interest yeah. alone, they could
0: yeah. invest
1: and triple that and whatever and buy a gold-painted chip car. <laughs> A Benzy, a gold gold painted chipped car. I mean, a is gold, it, if it's a chipped <laughs> painted car. You know what I'm trying to say? The guy made of gold. It my was friend.
0: gold plated, but it,
1: they got a deal because it was chipped. Some guy up in the Montana mountains is <laughs> uh, panning for gold, uh, paying for that guy's paint. You know is that how I'll, that works anymore? I don't know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think it does in the Black Hills. It does. That's what they do here in the Black Hills. They we're still te- we're telling a, oh, telling a lot of half truths. I'm telling a lot of half truths today, Marty. <laughs> you know. As usual, my mind goes in in a bunch of different directions because one thing you think of right away, and hopefully in your research, it might've touched upon that, is there has to be a way of doing a valuation of what that body of work, like, so let's say the next 10 years. Right now, you could look back over the last 10 years and say, Bob Dylan made this much in royalties. Sure. What is the value of his catalog? Did it say anything like that? What does he make a year in royalties from? Well, his net worth was something like- 200 million or something like
1: that so his net worth i mean for i would consider his status seems pretty low Mm -hmm. but the and to carry on i mean to carry on from bob dylan he's not the only one that's doing this right now the estate of whitney houston sold half of their publishing rights Mm -hmm. shakira is currently in a tax lawsuit against the country of Spain because apparently she owes $16 million in back taxes. Hmm. And honestly, pan, uh, the the pandemic, a lot of them are cashing in because most artists make more of their money from performances
0: and they're not able to perform. Oh, is that true that they actually yeah. do? Because I, yeah. it used to be, I think that was maybe not the case, but we've discussed that before on Outside the Mic that the royalty stream has changed because the format streaming. has changed, you know, instead right. of radio play, it's streaming. And so they're making less money. That probably is going to trigger people to want to sell their catalogs. As Absolutely.
1: Well. And, and so. get this, which I didn't know. So you would think <clears throat> no matter what host streaming host platform that you have your music on Apple music, Spotify, all of those, they don't all pay out the same. Right. At, at the last article that I read, Apple music pays out the most. Oh. Spotify is the next one. But you think that there would be a law or some side of some yeah, sort of fixed just, rate. Yeah. Hey, if you're streaming music, the payout has to be this. Mm-hmm. But because we're kind of in the wild west, the yeah. new age of this streaming thing, yeah. these guy these companies are able to just say, Yeah, we'll we'll pay the artist out fifty percent or 0.3
0: yeah. on the dollar or whatever it might be. Not all of them are the same, which I, I think is wrong. Yeah, that's fascinating. Who governs that? Does, is it the uh, publishing company? It's ASCAP, BMI? They're the ones that come out and say, hey, this is what we're going to... That I don't pay. know. I mean, I think it's
1: definitely something that's changing because really the music industry is ever changing right now. Mm-hmm. And so the laws will have to be updated as well.
0: That That is crazy. No. It, you think about how things are changing. And a lot of people I know, and we don't, you know, obviously we could talk about this probably all day, which we... Already started doing, <laughs> uh, but um, you know, for I, I've heard this discussion in the past too, where when you're like you consider yourself a painter or something, you have a piece of work, you have that one piece of work, and then obviously some people make okay, there's 500 prints or something, yeah, and then you have the original. But when you think about it with music, it's different. And there must be some other, I can't draw a correlation with something else right now, but you continually, it's this residual income that you make, especially for writers that were you know, came from the era when music was just starting to really, really become the thing. Hit radio, all that stuff. Right. I mean, classical guys didn't make squat right. back in the day. Like we said already, a lot of them died in poverty. But so you've got these guys, and maybe that, maybe that only happened once in history. We have this big curve of all these people that created this huge body of work. The Beatles, right. for example, and I know yeah. there's some talk about their catalog. Something happened there too, where Michael Jackson ended up with it for a while. Wow. Yeah, I he didn't owned hear about that owned almost all of the because i don't we'll have to explore that one a little further on another episode because there was definitely some things that happened with that catalog too i have no idea i think these McCartney are these are three-fourths
1: truths now we yeah. have to three-fourths <laughs> we're pretty sure we're not a hundred percent but you could probably take us to the That's bank and get a fact, something back
0: jack That's not a fact check. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that when we used to actually fact check back in the day, when we were youngins doing outside the mic in the early days, I'll tell you what. You get a little seasoned, a little
1: Mm lazy as things Mm -hmm. progress.
0: You do, Jared. Can I get my reading glasses? Would I be able to do that? Would I be able to pause and do that? Ladies and gentlemen, we do thank
1: you very much for your attention. And now we invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the takeoff. Marty got his glasses, and I might have to say we back.
0: You look darn right good in those. You're looking fresh. You're just saying that, Jared. You're vibing, bro. You're just saying that, so I'll be nice to you. My wife would kill me if she heard me saying (laughs) that. (laughs) Well, you know, I've heard once because, um, yeah, we can get a little personal. Not a lot personal, but everybody's got their own little, you know, self-critique. And I used to think I had sort of a big nose. (laughs) And I read once that if you... do have a bigger proboscis? You should wear glasses and a hat and a distract prob- from it or something like a that. A proboscis—that's kind of silly. But I did. Hey, I did you know hear what, bro? Like that.
1: So. I'll open up. Okay, open up. <laughs> let's just, And let's you turn this. In and light. I know Where's we've talked couch? about this in the past. Yeah. And I hate to pen him for this, but I have an Owen Wilson nose. Oh. I broke my nose back in the day, and mm-hmm. you can see that it just gets a little bit curvy, a little wild going on. You see that? He's I do. looking at me, folks. Uh,
0: but, but here's what's fascinating. It's that's like it's a good the way I put it, your self critique that you have. Yeah. Most people generally, the things that you observe, they're not even gonna notice. I would have never noticed that. Yeah, but yeah.
1: if I said something Owen Wilson said, then you would notice. Like if I was like,
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you would notice because you 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 uh, associate that with his is way more obvious. Yeah. He's got a... I mean, I own it. I love it. It's great. Yeah, And I noticed that if I press on this bump right here, (laughs) oh my gosh, I can breathe so much better. So I need can get a little work done. If y'all want to Patreon and donate some money for me to get my nose fixed. What a memorable way to start season
0: three here. (laughs) This could perhaps be a little fodder for a live Facebook though. Yeah. Ask people if they've had some sort of... You know, what would you call it? You know, your own uh, self-awareness issue or whatever it is. I mean, maybe that would be too heavy. I don't know. Because generally, it's fun to just laugh at it and own it, like you said. Own it. Yeah, you just got to
1: own it. We all have our our crap, all of our stink, and you you just got to own it. I don't know, though, because didn't we talk about it works better with the Facebook live questions? Mm Because you guys respond super well, and we're not complaining, Mm -hmm. but we want to make it easier. Because if we leave it open-ended, like, who's your favorite singer from whatever, we get tens of thousands of comments. And we're just writing, trying to keep track of it. Yeah, but if we go... Do you prefer A or B? Seems to be easier and we can tally. It's just really about us. We're just a little... Oh, that's
0: a good point because then you would have... I think it wouldn't be quite as steady of a stream of responses as the one we did where we asked, who's your favorite female vocalist? But still, I do like, (laughs) well, what was the one, the toothbrushing thing? (laughs) It had nothing to do with music, folks, which that's okay. We can meander a little bit. And if you don't know what we're talking about, get on Facebook. We always...
1: Let you know in advance. We're going to hop on and do a live video and mm-hmm. interact and talk with everybody. It's super cool. Banter. We banter. But That's we also awesome. just, uh, yeah, we just pull these questions. We just have like a question of the evening. And I think the first one was, is it dinner or supper? Yeah. How long do you brush your teeth?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, yeah, who's your favorite female voice? And that just
0: went off. So is that going to be... When you think about it, neither of those were music-related. Yeah. But then I think we did discuss playing music, so maybe that's going to be our our vibe for our Facebook Lives mm-hmm. for this season is it doesn't have to be music-related. We get a little away from that so that it, I don't know, maybe that's good for our brains to just kind of switch to something, and then we can do some music. Well, and it's fun for us that it's so not structured
1: not saying that we're we're structured by any means but you know not a lot of planning goes okay? into it and we're just I had a little heartburn hiccup come in
0: <laughs> uh, and i
1: didn't want it to come out i got nervous that it was about to i was gonna burp all over this microphone
0: yeah we, yeah, we didn't want that to happen so um no i'm sorry there's saying?
1: certain words that you just don't say into a mic burp you don't moist <laughs> salivating
0: oh because of how they yeah the air it's that like comes asmr out yeah it is it's yeah. just these like next that. 10
1: minutes folks we're gonna we're gonna have some silent breathing
0: and i'm just gonna say some words let's do that let's just meditate for a while shall we hello we are now cereal box. On box cereal box <laughs> <laughs> Amalgamation. What? Oh, that's not hello? what I was supposed to say. Who I'm was sorry. that? Well, you know, I, I, we forgot to say hello, and, um, you know, so I just wanted to say hello, but then she said some word I, you know, didn't want to. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, go. Google Girl. Oh, welcome back. We're so glad you're going to be with us again this season. Maybe not quite as much as you were last <laughs> season, but there we go. Uh, well, have some fun well anyway. when
1: Marty turned it on, it was a very deep-sounding resonant male voice and we were a little sad that maybe google changed but looks like she's there we found
0: her she was i think she was probably avoiding us because we just ignored her for so long so yeah no going back to when when i interrupted you because you had that little bodily tiny function there um it does correlate with our um our introduction where we banter most matters do we say most matters music now or all matters most matters. Well, I say we banter all matters and you go, mostly we do. Or yeah. mostly. Where we banter all matters music and I say mostly we do. That sort of alludes to the fact that sometimes we're going to allude to something else. It just it just
1: clarifies that we are going to have rabbit
0: trails. <laughs> <laughs> do you mean rabbit holes or rabbit trails? Because suddenly I thought about little rabbit droppings. Well, first of all, Marty, if you really
1: want to break it down, how does the freaking rabbit get to the hole? He has to take it a trail.
0: Thank you. So it's I a rabbit so. trail to the rabbit hole. But does he always follow the same path? Because his enemies would know where he's going to go then. I no, don't. because he gets off the beaten path. What do you want? You want to keep going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll follow some rabbit trails. We better That'd talk be some fine. music here soon. We might as well. <laughs> you going um, first or am I going first? You, you go know, first. I don't care. Whatever. Um, Rock, I'm paper, so scissors. I'm feeling so laid back now early this morning. I have a quick little foray into a uh, documentary you know it's interesting actually and i hope i can i bet i can't think of his name but i bet you can we have a young listener okay who we saw because you were doing something with his dad and he left us a little note with a couple of documentaries to watch do you remember who that was oh my god marty you want me to think back his dad you were doing some kind of graphics thing And you can just say his first name if you can think about it.
1: Anyway. Well, well, I was working with Blake, but his son wouldn't have mentioned documentaries. Let me think some more.
0: Whoever it was gave us this little note, and you put it on the desk. Anyway. I feel super bad that I remember. It's all right. I feel bad. I don't remember. But what's interesting is I picked this up, and it had these, and I thought, oh, I sort of disregarded it at first. Like, well, that was nice. But then later I looked at it in one of the documentaries, and I ended up putting a note in my phone. One of them was Gordon Lightfoot, if you could read my mind. The documentary. Yeah. Okay. So thanks to you, whatever your name is. Young man. We'll give you credit at some point in time for referring this to us. We
1: think of your name.
0: Yeah. And I don't know how much we want to get. We've talked about, in fact, we talked about the Orion documentary. Oh, uh, yeah. Orion. Yeah. <laughs> the freaking demise of Jarrett Michael freaking Weimer. <laughs> yeah. Some of you folks are not going to know what that Season two. Just, yeah. just ignore it. Well, that was one of our segments, Jarrett. That's mis- worse than my notes. nose, yeah. honestly. <laughs> that episode? I Yeah, I will take that
1: uh, to the grave.
0: Personally, I don't think it was that big of a deal, but apparently it bothered you. and um, I went I 35
1: you- <laughs> minutes saying his name wrong, only for you to go
0: Wait. Well do you mean? All right. Did it take me that long too? I just heard it and then I looked at the spelling. But it's okay you mispronounce things sometimes, that's part of the the joy and so, the yeah, charm of doing this with you. I think that's become a segment it's charming for us. Too. Yeah. Any, <laughs> anyway, you'll be fine. Thanks. You'll be just fine. Appreciate uh, am I still in the camera bad. angle here? So yeah, yes, you're and fine. uh not <laughs> we've watched some documentaries we've referred you to... might want to scooch over a little bit but go okay, ahead. we watched over. it first go ahead we have referred to documentaries as well and not that we want to i i thought about it before i decided to give this a look i love watching you know documentaries and especially music
1: yeah. documentaries especially yeah. about
0: somebody as legendary as gordon lightfoot <laughs> but i also don't want to i guess careful not to just um rely on that like hey we're gonna do a uh, a review of a documentary every time we get on here. A docu-series. Which, in fact, I was going to, and I forgot to do that, I was curious to see what others did think about this documentary. I'm just going to share a few thoughts about it okay? and how it sort of, you know, for me and, and you being musicians, songwriters, how we might relate to something like this versus sure. anybody. Obviously, I have a, not watched it, by the way, so this is new for me, but go ahead. You haven't. So it's Gordon Lightfoot. It's called, If You Could Read My Mind. Some of you there's a chance somebody listening to this might not be that familiar with Gordon Lightfoot. So yeah. probably his most, uh, the most relatable Here, song. Here, let me remind you. Mm-hmm. Oh, there mm-hmm. you go. You find You've been creepin down my downstairs. Downstairs. That wasn't the one I was thinking of, but very oh. good. So we know, we already have talked about our generation gap a little bit. You're younger, but you're very familiar with Gordon Lightfoot.
1: I am, he's... yeah. I'm very familiar. Do you know how old
0: old Gordon is right now?
1: He's... He's alive. Okay. So Well, that helps yeah. that they're, the year continues. Okay. Yeah. Take a guess. 75.
0: He is um, around Bob Dylan's age. He's about 82. 82. Oh, he's so, older than Bob Dylan. A little bit older. And wow. they were actually... Um, had a lot of respect for each other did they We're kind of yeah i never really played together but they oh yes definitely...
1: bob you're great well thank you god and i really appreciate it
0: well there's a segment i
1: forgot all about that's coming back
0: <laughs> jared's impression.
1: i think it's a nervous tick when you start talking
0: about something i really don't know a lot about I'm like, I'll it i'll just sound like him and it'll be like i oh, i know the guy you know who that <clears throat> sounded like though who <laughs> it kind of sounded like an amalgamation. Thank you, Google Girl. An amalgamation of Bob Dylan and Charlie Brown's teacher. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, Uh, ma'am.
1: And featuring Peanuts, we have Bob Dylan (laughs) there.
0: You know who did the voice of of his teacher? (laughs) This is Bob Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm snotting everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we deviate from the path. There's another rabbit Deviated pit. Deviated septum, trail. which is what I have in the Thank nose. you. Um, no, the song I was going to mention was The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Ah. On the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. What a storyteller. So first of all, yeah, I'm not going to do like a full review. I would highly recommend this documentary. And the nice thing about documentaries like that not only do they have a broad you know an, an appeal to like obviously people who are music lovers musicians yeah. songwriters i think everybody who has ever had a dream anybody who has ever had a passion or you know anybody who likes art and creativity you're going to love it because just to hear these stories and to see how they their life unfolded and how they might have taken a turn here or there that changed things yeah. it's it's pretty incredible So what I really gleaned from this is just what an incredible storyteller uh, Gordon Lightfoot was. And early in his career, he had a. um, There was he and a duo. There was a guy named Terry Whalen, and I think they played on a kind of a folk music. He's from Canada, obviously. He's from a little town. I think it's Aurelia. No, it's Aurelia. Yeah, I think. Oh, Riley, I
1: didn't want you to go too long. Oh, my. If you look at the see, I'm a good friend. I stop you right there. Thanks. You let me go 30 minutes. Wow. Thanks, Jarrett. Aurelia.
0: Aurelia. You know, sometimes you just the bound, you, you, the where you go with your generosity. I'm like a Labrador. I'll be your best friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sit. I am sitting. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, He grew up in Canada, is considered one of the, you know, obviously is a very iconic. Uh, songwriter from canada mm. but he was on this little show and the guy's dad terry willin's dad was recommending suggesting that these guys <clears throat> sign a contract yeah and what they were going to do is they were going to split all of the the publishing royalties whatever it is and he had said at the time pretty clever guy he almost got this he said you guys are going to split that regardless of who's doing the songwriting well in the documentary uh, gordon lightfoot says well I was writing all the songs. Uh-huh. Someone knew something. That's yeah. how it always is. Yeah. And and not to say that this guy, you know, he probably just saw and he said they were good and he enjoyed, you know, what he was doing with this guy. But then he realized that was the point in his career where he said, hey, I can actually make a living doing this. That's my goal. It took him a year to make the decision. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go solo. I'm going to be Gordon Lightfoot. And what a name for the right is away that, is that his actual that name? is a, his actual name as far as i can tell dang that is his actual name i should google that how do you land a last name like lightfoot and yeah gordon lightfoot i mean you're you got to be somebody who's going to make an impact you know whether as a author or a poet or a songwriter or whatever right my ancestors
1: I... were last in line picking names <laughs> <laughs> they had what it was, I'm just kidding. I love my last name. Martin Myers. It's a Russian name. I like it.
0: <clears throat> oh, like I like my nose. So anyway, I'll get back to this because I didn't want to take a lot of time and I do have several notes here. But one of the first things that struck me about this, which I thought was interesting. Hold on. What was the, the documentary called again? It was called If You Could Read My Mind. Okay. Okay. So one of the first songs, one of the first things they touched upon and I'd never heard it before is he wrote a song early in his career called I've Got... No, it's called That's What I, You Get. That's What You Get for Loving Me. And they showed him and his current day wife watching a video of this, and he said he did not like this song because no. he felt it was very chauvinistic. Here's a line from the song. I've got a hundred more like you, so don't be blue. I'll have a thousand before I'm through. Whoa. <laughs> and uh, the interesting thing, though. He's uh, confident in himself. Well, it made me think, because he actually feels very um he feels not guilty but he felt bad about the song and he said later on he realized he'd never write a song like that and he said this i wrote this at a time when i had a wife and a couple of kids and he said i didn't really know what chauvinism was then but part of me was saying hey you're a songwriter and sometimes you might write a song where you tap into something and it's not necessarily from your experience that word didn't
1: exist and then they they read the lyrics to his song
0: and yeah. they were like, "Oh,
1: we need a." He's very confident.
0: We need a word for that. Maybe, perhaps it was. I'm just kidding. Go well, ahead. I thought it was interesting that he had so much energy associated with it because I guess and I've wondered that before because I've written something, and then I thought, well, where did that come from? Sure, you know. Yeah. And then you're you're thinking if I if I do perform this, will people think this is a personal experience? Have you ever thought that about a song? Yeah, where we you're like.
1: I don't know. This doesn't connect with my life. I'm telling this story, but I don't want people to be like, yeah, he's oh, he must be he must be doing that. Yeah. And you're like, no, I was just, you know, i was just channeling this story, this narrative,
0: you know. Well, which leads perfectly into like my next comment, because later on <clears throat> he talked about how writing when you're in that zone as we all know whether you're you know a writer or athlete or whatever you do yeah you can get in that zone and he said it comes from the unconscious mind everything that i've done is basically a figment of the imagination and then he, i thought this was entertaining he said i just want to make sure it rhymes and uh that that was a neat you know sort of an observation as a songwriter <laughs> but when he's saying that couldn't he also go back then and say yeah, this was something that just came from my unconscious, so it doesn't necessarily... But he took it sort of personally. Yeah. Um, and still true. does to this day, which he's sitting there later. And finally, um, I think what they were doing as the documentarians were kind of trying to, you know, just create um, a guide, sort of a roadmap about his career. Yeah. He was listening to this song, and he said, I hate this effing song. <laughs> And then they turned off. And his his wife, it was great because she said, "I think you're being too hard on yourself." Oh, uh, nice. He said, "Look at what you accomplished, this young young lad from Aurelia. We'll call it that. I think it's Aurelia <laughs> who made it big." And blah blah blah. And then they went on from there. But I thought that was was an interesting observation. Yeah. Um, so the next thing, like fast forwarding ahead, they go through some of his early careers. One of the milestones I thought was interesting was he had his first major deal with Warner Brothers, and I, whatever the year was that um, this song came out, uh, if you could read my mind, the title of the album was actually Sit Down, Young Stranger. So he's got this major deal with Warner Brothers, huh. and this is one of those moments in your career where, you know, it could it's go left or, right. left or right, exactly. So they, initially, they put out 80,000 albums, and then it said, he said it just stopped. and so he's like wow is this going to be it i've got this big opportunity with warner brothers and it just stopped well the name of the album was sit down young stranger i'm assuming that was the release somebody they did an ad somewhere and they decided the next single was going to be if you could read my mind and it started taking off so they wanted to change the name of the album to if you could read my mind yeah or if i could read your mind what is the song no, if it's if you could read my mind. Yeah. And he was not happy, so he flew to L.A. He was well, like, you're not going to change the name of my album from from this to that. He said I was a little more cocky and arrogant back <laughs> then, and <laughs> you know, I was going to defend this. So he asked them, what difference is it going to make? And I thought this was fascinating. Uh, one of the executives said, algebraically speaking, Lightfoot, it's the difference between X and 7X. And... So about five weeks later, they did end up changing the name. It had now sold like 650,000. Yeah.
1: Well, and you sometimes, I mean, as an artist, that's your work. You, you birthed that. You came up with that. And then for someone to just scientifically calculate what the best, it's a little offensive. But I think you need to trust some of that, too, because these are guys that spend their life figuring out what combination and, like you said, what algorithm is going to sell Mm -hmm. the most, be the most
0: appealing. Yeah. And sometimes you got to roll with it. Well, and we've all heard stories of evil publishing companies or record executives and doing this or that or taking advantage of somebody. But ultimately, there was also some good ones, and a lot of them who just knew the business. So they were obviously right about that. He said, I never – argued with him anymore yeah. after that <laughs> it's like okay that's your avenue man. Yeah, i write the songs like, exactly you call them what you want that's exactly i will i will trust <clears throat> you on that one and speaking of record sales one other observation i just have a couple and then we can move on to your story is he did mention and i guess i had personally reflected on it a little before but never from this kind of perspective you know realizing how it impacted songwriters back in the day he talked about how everything they came out with and you know his um what would you call them his peers uh, there's another name for it i can't think of right now but people that were also coming sort of from a folk background you had like Joni Mitchell James Taylor um you know Bob Dylan, obviously, yeah. Judy Collins, all these people that were covering we, songs back then too, not just writing but covering. And songs.
1: And I could be totally off, but we were talking a little bit beforehand with Steve Earle,
0: kind of it, where they yeah. or he oh, just yes. was an admirer. I think Steve Earle was was um, I don't know how much they ever did together collaborating, but he was Canadian as well, isn't that yeah, true? Right. Yeah, the hardcore troubadours. Yeah, he right he on, sing us a mo, uh, lay down on me. Just kidding, anyway, you no. never come yeah. back from Copperhead Road. Oh, that's a Steve Earl, yeah. Oh, I that's forgot. my favorite. That I dude forgot. Yeah. My,
1: my mother had an old '94 sky blue Ford Ranger, mm-hmm. no, it had to have been older than that, like '87. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was old and a cassette player, and all we had was the Free Willy soundtrack, yeah. and the Copperhead Road Steve Earl
0: uh was on tape. the free willy no 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 oh, no, no okay no, 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 no. that's the only tapes that we had and <laughs> gotcha. i loved copperhead road ah that's a brilliant song yeah i love it too and I, until you mentioned that i had forgotten that steve earl did that yeah very cool love steve well, Earle. i'm i'm trying hard you to struck remember chord with yeah we, we meander a bit but the, i i appreciate you saying that the mm-hmm. thing that um i think the th- yeah What's, oh the, that other song well, I took a stroll on the old long walk of the day. I, I, I. Is that Steve, too? Galway girl, yeah. Ah, you know a lot about Steve Earle for a young feller. I like Steve Earle. Young whippersnapper. Well, Steve Earle probably felt the same way in the observation that I about was. About me. He liked me. He's going to mention. <laughs> sorry, Cliff. If you'll let me. i sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he mentioned Gordon the Beatles. And he no. said it was like every time we came out with something, the Beatles were coming out with an album and it had to be a little frustrating <laughs> for writers yeah. back then because this was a this was a phenomenon that had never occurred before. These guys were just dominating. They're like,
1: everything. Well what the frick do we do now? These four Yoho's four how many's in the Beatles again? Four? Four, yeah. four. Fab, Yo-Hos, That's The Fab Four, buddy. The yeah. Fab Four. I right? know, yeah. 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 okay, I do that. <laughs> Show up out of nowhere and now uh uh-huh. We're questioning our career now, the length yeah. and lifetime of our career.
0: Well, and the just the album sales, you know, they're dominating yeah. the market so much and and changing it, music. Yeah. And and that I think that was the thing. Everybody realized how good they were. So they weren't it wasn't like he was resentful, but then he said, Joni Mitchell, she's like, Oh, come on, Gordy, you gotta listen to Revolver. And he said, That's the first time he listened to that and he's like ah. realized how amazing these guys were at the time, too. Are you familiar with Drake? Very familiar with Drake? The hip-hop artist? I think he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he's... used to be on a show called Degrassi, and oh. he played a kid that got shot and was in a wheelchair. Oh. And he was my favorite, and then he became Drake, which, I mean, he's fine. He's he's definitely spearheading the hip-hop rap okay. genre for sure, but okay. my wife could tell you more about it.
0: Well, Drake. I'm gonna have to listen, and I meant to because they made a reference. You used to used Canadian me on
1: your cell phone.
0: Oh, it's that guy. I think so. I could oh, be Okay. It. <laughs> well, he's Gordy, which I'm gonna call him now that I know him after watching the documentary. No, he referenced him because Drake is apparently from Toronto. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. So he said that uh, he he listened to his records and he knows now why he's doing so well. He he was um, giving him credit, being very complimentary, and obviously he's a you know Canadian. Fellow songwriter, but I haven't listened to Drake much. So I thought that was interesting. That gave me something to kind of check out. But I think that was about it. There was one other quote from the documentary. Like I said, I would recommend it. Oh, the uh, just I've heard this happen so many times. How many times do you hear about a song that ends up being a major hit that almost didn't even make it on the album? Yeah. And then Fitzgerald. Really? Yeah. So he had heard, and this was pretty much right after the actual. you know the actual sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald, with I think there was 29 people on board, all died. Hmm. The amazing thing about that story too, it was 15 miles from Whitehead Bay. Wow! They were almost back, and uh, so if you know, if you don't know the story and you just know the song, um, it's an interesting thing to read about. But he wrote this story as poetry, like nobody can do the way Gordon Lightfoot does. It was fascinating. But he came in and he said, "Hey guys." You know, I just read this and I wrote this. And so he started playing it and like, OK, let's jam to it. Basically, the recording that you hear, that was the one that was released, was like their first take. Oh, wow. Of the song after going through it a that. few times. Yeah, and then they added some strings and this and that. But they he sure. said they tried other takes and it just <clears throat> wasn't clicking. Yeah, so these guys were like. Not only was our first take; it was the first day we had actually heard the song.
1: The universe and stars
0: lined up at that moment. And Absolutely, it just, you couldn't top it after. Absolutely, that. I get goosebumps thinking about that. So then, obviously, Ooh. they released it. That became a number one hit song for him. And one other quick observation, just as a songwriter,
1: you keep saying I, one other.
0: One other. I'm going to add one more. <laughs> uh, there was a quote from a guy named Murray McLaughlin, who is also a Canadian folk singer. And it goes back to when we were talking about in the beginning, I meant to kind of attach this to that, whether or not your song is from personal experience or not. Yeah. What he said, and I think, you know, even if you're not a songwriter, you'd find this interesting, but as a songwriter, he said, we try to, oh, there's where that word came from with Google girl, amalgamate, which is sort of combine your experience, whether it's destructive or wonderful however destructive or wonderful they may be, and you put them into some form so that they can uh, be universally understood by other people. So I thought that was an interesting way to, to put nice. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Very he's cool. probably not the first guy to make some kind of a comment like that. But I think anybody with their art does that. You try to translate your, translate your personal experience. Transylvania, your experience. <laughs> exactly. And that's it. For my Gordon Lightfoot, if you could read my mind um or if i could read your mind either way uh wonderful check it out very cool check it out nice man good Thank research you. on that that was really cool well okay so we're i think
1: we're kind of going to talk about a plethora of artists today which hey i'm i'm cool with we are uh yeah so <clears throat> i, didn't I know had that. this idea you know me i was always like first episode of the season i really want to i really want
0: a plethora
1: how come i get the dude okay sorry. <laughs> at
0: the plethora yeah Where'd um, she go where's google going? it's I'll fine she took a coffee break you interrupted me i'll just interrupt you at any time. yeah that's
1: fine um <laughs> i had this idea yeah and i don't know if it's good or bad but i had this idea <laughs> thank you for qualifying it like these that. famous musicians uh-huh they're famous for their instrument elton john piano you know right uh I'm trying to think of others, Stevie Ray, guitar, all all these. Neil Peart. Neil Drummer. Peart drums, right. Yeah. Um, my thought and my question that I wanted to research was, was that the first instrument they started to play Oh, that they learned on or did they end up switching at some point? And I found some, by the way, Elton John started on it, Neil Peart started on it. Those are all. They, they did. Were, yeah,
0: they did. That was their key instrument.
1: But the right, ones I found were pretty interesting. So we're just going to touch on that. Wookie <clears throat> um, doke. A little bit. I think that's a fascinating angle. It's a fun question. I mm-hmm. thought it was fun. And so it, got to, it was fun to explore. So okay. first on our list is the late and great member of the 27 Club, Mr. Jimi Hendrix.
0: Jimi Hendrix.
1: Yep. He was born Johnny Allen Hendrix, by the way. Wow. <laughs> could you imagine? Wow. John Hendrix? Johnny
0: Hendrix? I could see it being Ja. Johnny Hendricks and the Lightning Boys. Yo, Ja Hendricks. That'd be if he was from Jamaica, man. He could be Ja Hendricks. Johnny Allen. Okay. Didn't know that. Um, Probably read it somewhere.
1: They later changed his name to honor. So his dad's name was James Marshall. No, I'm sorry. His dad's name was James Allen Hendricks. Okay. And his uncle who had passed away was named, I've got it here.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mhm. Yeah.
1: Him. Yep. It's in here. Leon Joshua, Marshall.
0: Leon Marshall. So Hendrix. they okay. combined
1: the two, changed his name to uh, James Marshall Hendrix.
0: Okay, Jimi Hendrix. Oh, so yeah. it does come from a family lineage sort of thing. Not he's lineage, kind of but
1: names. He's kind of got a cool lineage. Yeah, Wiki goes way into you know. I, of course, I looked at the the origin stories of these artists, and I um, mean, they were all really cool. You know, Hendrix grew up in a really poor atmosphere I won't touch too much on that his parents split his mother died at young age his father was kind of a mean dude when his mother had passed um, and it was quoted in there he would not take so Jimmy had a, a brother named Leon mm-hmm. and he would not take Jimmy and Leon to his mother their mother's funeral instead and this is like like at a young age like before 10. Gave them each a shot of whiskey and said, that's how we deal. We don't cry. That's how we deal with stuff. Wow. Yeah. So that already sets a... Wow. That, that kind of stuff, is, that gets rooted into your yeah. life. Makes yeah. sense. He struggled with
0: drugs and alcohol. but Well, that's a big impact. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially wow. for your
1: father who, as a young, young man, a young boy, your father is very influential in your life. Mm-hmm. And so that just started him on a path. You know, oh gosh, that just yeah. opened a door that shouldn't have been opened at that time. Well,
0: uh, not only to say that this is, you know, that you don't cry about it, but that you're going to have a shot of whiskey. Shot of and whiskey. That's how, that's how we handle it. our problems. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, totally crazy. Well, anyway, so uh, Jimmy It'd and his brother sick. end up going living with, and they referred to Jimmy's dad as Al.
0: Okay.
1: Um, when the parents split, they went and lived with Al. And um, Al had spent a lifetime in the military. And when he got out, he couldn't find work. You know, they, they very poverty and family. Had a hard time, a hard go at things. Anyways, they had gotten, Al had gotten a small job. Well, let me back up. So there okay. was a cool little segment. Your chair or are you just going oh, to? in gonna my go words. Go. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> um, when Jimmy was attending school at a young age, he he carried around this broom this this broomstick, and he would hold it like a guitar. And okay. one of the social workers at the school always noticed that this kid had this this broomstick in his hand and was kind of mimicking like it was playing an instrument, like he's playing the guitar. Cool. And so she had reached out to the school and she was like, "Listen, you know this kid's got some issues. I think we ought to look at." Getting some funds and maybe buying him an instrument. Got some issues, <laughs> or he's because because he was so attached to this broomstick, he you know that she was worried that if they took it away, or if he continued growing up with this thing, the security blanket that it was going to cause psychological issues walking
0: around with a broom walking around with this yeah. thing yeah they, they were going
1: to think he's a witch <laughs> so instead of a broomstick she's like let's get him the real thing so he's accept
0: the witch
1: <laughs>
0: i thought jimmy was up here too but i guess not jimmy's not on one. the wall
1: yeah we got to change our, our um, brain, but okay fascinating there you go unfortunately the school turned her down they did Aww. not get him a guitar yeah so that almost was his first instrument well fast forward the dad had gotten a small job working um, small as in part time, small, small as in, as in probably with Legos or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: gotcha.
1: He used a tiny broom to, yeah. to sweep dust, A <laughs> little piles. That was a little job, okay. He got paid just a little bit. Gotcha. Anyways, um, there was an elderly lady that he was tasked with cleaning out her home. Okay, it was piled full of junk. It was nasty oh. trash. And stuff. Okay, like elderly elderly lady. Lady.
0: Job, get one
1: job. I one job. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Jimmy happened to. Be with his dad helping out, and they were scout You know, they were going through all the trash and whatever. And and Jimmy finds this small ukulele with a oh. single string.
0: Okay. See, I didn't know this. this no, this is TM-ish. cool. This like is this. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so he was like, "Oh man, can I keep this? This, you know, this is so cool." And the old lady's like, "Yeah, yeah, take it, whatever." So that birth, his first experience with. With a musical instrument, something, something other than a broom, yeah. he would sit. He would spend his nights sitting around listening to the radio and mm-hmm. play. And he would listen to songs like "Hound Dog," Elvis Presley, and learn the melody, learn how to play it on this just single string ukulele. Ukuleles you wow. typically have four strings. Guitars have six strings. Yeah. He was he was finding these things, and you can only imagine if it was in a pile of trash that this thing was frail yeah. this thing was nasty
0: oh man um, that and he, was his so he got
1: some strings no just the single string
0: he's learning it, it
1: just on the single string oh man. my okay and so later um he saved up he spent he got his first guitar he spent five bucks on it and his father he he was left-handed Jimi hendrix was that's right and he was looking for a left-handed guitar and his father was like no you're gonna find a right-handed guitar because if you play your guitar left-handed that's weird. That's going to be like, and he, and it would quote the sign of a sign of the devil. Oh my God. Like gosh. that was abstract. Oh my and gosh. I mean, that's back in that day, they really, anything outside of the norm was bad. Oh, witchcraft, yeah. voodoo yeah. shit, you know? Yeah. And uh, so Jimmy was like, I don't care. So what does Jimmy do? He buys a right-handed guitar, flips it
0: around, that's strings right. it backwards. Yeah plays a left hand i guitar. think he had mentioned that i don't know what we were talking about yeah yeah yeah. That, yeah that part had come up before which i hadn't been aware of until a, a documentary i think that i watched a couple years ago too right about Jimmy. so
1: jimmy's so, first instrument was a single string ukulele that he found that in some is, trash. and he
0: never did is there any story of him finally getting strings for that or he just went no from a single I'm, string to his yeah I, yeah I mean
1: it didn't specify in the article that
0: i was reading but it mm-hmm. wasn't too long after that he did end up getting the the
1: guitar for five bucks or
0: whatever. Isn't that amazing? Because the one picture that I have of the documentary, not the you know, I remembered remembered lots of uh, you know, aspects of that. But one thing that fascinated me was every interview, every time they talked with Jimmy, he always had his guitar. Uh, yeah. It was as if he'd never set his guitar down and it reminds me of the broom. It's his broomstick. Wow. You say the broomstick. It's yeah. like that's amazing and look at what the guy achieved. It's right. like, he was just obsessed.
1: He it. really revolutionized the the electric guitar and the sounds that he was getting from his mm-hmm. guitar. Uh, we get now from pedals, digital pedals. That right. back then he was just yeah. I mean he had a few pedals like a wah. Um mm. I forget all that he had. Someone mm. can be more specific on that. Mm. But um I think we touched on that a little bit. He was getting too, but, some crazy yeah. tones. He yeah. was getting some crazy tones. So yeah. Hendrix first was a single string uke.
0: Okay, and what kind of guitar was his first guitar? Do you know? I have no idea. But it was five dollars. So five it bucks. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, Sears Roebuck, or something like that. So was it? In, and it was an electric. Um,
1: no, I it didn't. It didn't specify, so okay. I don't know. But I mean, pictured in the article was him with a right-handed
0: electric string gotcha. backwards. So I'm. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe okay. it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So kids, if you're starting out, and Playing an instrument, don't worry about... I mean, it's nice. If it's a piano, I always say try to get one you can tune. Yeah. That's the key is be able to actually tune it. But don't worry too much about your gear right away. Just start. All right. Pick up a broomstick.
1: With a guitar, I mean, you definitely want to have, find Hardboard a guitar box. that doesn't hurt your fingers <laughs> mm-hmm. with high action. A lot of these cheap guitars, you can't really adjust the depth of the strings. But, yeah. I mean, my first guitar was a, was a Black Martin flat top. Not a Martin, but a Martin copy flat top because I wanted to be say. just like Johnny Cash. Yeah. And the strings were like an inch and a half off the fretboard. But man, did I was like, nope, it's black like Johnny's. I I don't care. Well, it made you work. Right? I did it did make me work for figures, sure. And so. then I remember when I got my first, it was a Taka Mini. When I got my first good guitar, I was like,
0: this is easy. This yeah. is easy to play. And well, that's an interesting because you come from that and then it would seem. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I think Allison who was, you know, a mentor for you. Yeah, she's the one that taught me guitar. Yeah, I remember her saying when the kids were going to learn guitar, she had that one, it was the Indian guitar, I think. Yeah, yep. And she thought that was a good one to start with because it didn't have strings really close. You did have to push on those strings to get
1: it. It it helps. I mean, the kid's not going to like it because it does hurt, but you build those calluses, you build those fingers up. Mm -hmm. The problem is getting, getting new players to stick with it through the paint.
0: Well, yeah, and then you got to build calluses. Which keyboard players we don't have to, but I always right. recommend correlates to the keyboard in the sense that some of the electronic keyboards that have a synthesizer touch, yeah, they don't have that actual action, and you need that to develop your fingers like the weighted piano, hammered piano key, exactly. Nice, so, yeah, yeah.
1: There's definitely you can set yourself up. For success if you pay attention yeah. to a few little details. But yeah. okay, so the next guy that we're gonna talk about, I didn't know. Maybe you know about him, Marty. I know you like jazz, you're a big jazz player. Mm. And I'm gonna probably pronounce his last name wrong, but it's mm. Dizzy Gillespie.
0: Gillespie? Gillis <laughs> Gillespie? You know him, right? I'm sorry, Jarrett. I'm I'm not going to laugh at you, but it, it is <laughs> I knew at some point in our first episode the little generation thing would happen. Dizzy Gillespie.
1: Gillespie. Yes, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you know him because I had no idea. Okay. And it's fine if you laugh, because it was, was this is a cool story.
0: Well, and it's a while ago. Have you never seen a picture of Dizzy though? No. You have not? No. Okay, you keep talking and I'm gonna look one up because he was absolutely mind-boggling. He's like a frog. When he what? plays the trumpet. I'll show you. You keep talking, and that was a thing that everybody, I'm sure, if you heard of, or if you've listened or seen, Dizzy Gillespie play. He developed his own style. Gillespie, God dang, um, I'm glad you stopped me right oh, there. Oh, it's amazing, and you'll have to see what Gillespie. He looks like. So you go ahead, and I'm going to look <laughs> for a picture of. So him. So that's
1: how I mean. He originally born John Burks. Okay, Gillespie,
0: Dizzy Gillespie,
1: Gillespie. Okay. okay, but he got the name Dizzy because he really was the founding father who revolutionized jazz to be more to have like a bebop kind of feel. Right. He was very rhythmic, and so he was born. He was amazing. Yeah. Well, cool. Dude, check this out. Yes, let me see. Oh, my gosh. We'll have to post that so these guys can see. He's blowing into a trumpet, and his cheeks Mm -hmm. and his neck yeah, a bullfrog. I mean, the guy just, he's got some freaking bag sticking out of
0: his face. Well, right and now. I believe he was one of the first people to use like circular breathing as well. Oh. So he would fill up. It's like a hamster with a, you know, pouch full of food or something or a frog. It does look just like a hamster, right? Yeah, and it's amazing. And then the way he had his horn angled too. I'm not sure if he did that or if that was the style of coronet or trumpet at the time. God, but that can't of the, feel good though. That's got to hurt. Have well, you ever done that? Have you ever filled your cheeks too far and you kind of get that pain? Yeah, but nothing like dizzy. And look at him, you know, when he's just relaxed. I think it was he just... He looks great. It's, some people are just born to do something and that guy was born to do that. And I don't know, it'd be interesting to know if he started out right away doing that or if he developed that over his career. So, Well, I didn't find there, that out, but that's really cool. But you've never seen him before. I've never seen, seen him okay. before. Nope. Very, cool. Very cool.
1: Okay, so he was born in... Oh, shoot. You're going to get me on this one too. Chera, South Carolina? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so, somebody idea. knows. In 1917. Okay. Um, and he was re- raised in a music family. His father, James Gillespie?
0: Okay. Gillespie? Huh? Gillespie. Gillespie. Okay. Yeah. Gillespie, yeah. He That's was a, the way I've always heard it
1: anyway. Hey, I'm going to go with what you say. Okay. He was a band leader, uh, like a big band leader. Okay. And his father would keep all of the band instruments in their house. Okay. And really, because he wanted to make sure that there was always an instrument around for his for his kids to learn on, or if they were interested, mm-hmm. um, James was pretty cool. Um, kind of reminds me of you. Like, just always made sure that the opportunity was there for your kids to learn music. You, you know, I've been to your house. You've got yeah. all kinds of instruments there. It's really cool. Anybody can sit down and kind of play or you know mess around on something. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, we sort of figured that out. As the kids were growing up, I would recommend to anybody if you want music and your uh, if you're just having kids, start out that way where they have an opportunity to pick up whether it's a drum or a guitar or a piano or, yeah. or whatever. We kept adding and we realized it's like hey they're going to gravitate to something like that. So yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to for...
1: appreciate this next part. He went so far as tearing down a wall in his house. Wow. Just to fit in. A large upright piano. So that that made sure that they had a piano in the house. So his dad, his did dad, did. So that's yeah, very his cool. dad made sure. So he was he really pushed. Dizzy had older siblings. He really pushed for them to learn an instrument and practice, but none of them were interested. Wow. And so, um, and it's kind of this gets gets a little sad, but. Uh, Dizzy recalls that he would, when his his father ended up dying when he was ten, so he never got to see Dizzy in his in in his life and his career as as a jazz musician. Yeah, wow, really sad because this was a you know James Dizzy's dad. His his whole life was music, but uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he recalls that um, when his dad was alive, that he was so tiny that he would. You know how little kids do they just like hit stuff and they're just like you know so he'd hit the piano but what is what they what was in the article was that Dizzy ended up starting making melodies but like yeah. at the young age like 3 or something where you really you don't really pay attention to combination yeah. of notes and stuff yeah but so i think James knew right away that maybe Dizzy was going to be musically inclined. He could hear some
0: yeah, some melodies and
1: Yeah. So fast yeah. forward, Dizzy's ten, his dad passes away. Um he later Dizzy picks up the trombone. Okay. And this was the first instrument that Dizzy ended up playing trombone. Okay. Um but slide if anybody knows come. what a trombone looks like, it's got a slide and Hopefully you have to really do. Yeah
0: forgetting those actual orchestral instruments. Yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So the problem was Dizzy's arms were too short to play it well enough to get the full oh, range of the notes.
0: Interesting.
1: So his brother was like, Hey, dude, why don't you try my trumpet? Right. And then, right. of course, uh, it took off from there. It did recall a time when Dizzy really figured out that he wanted to be a jazz player. He was listening to the Roy Eldridge the Teddy Hills orchestra Mm They played at the Teddy Hills orchestra Mm -hmm. and they played, I think it talked about the trombone is a fascinating instrument. They broadcasted the Savoy (laughs) ballroom in New York. And that doesn't mean anything to me, but maybe if you're a New Yorker that does. Yeah. Um, but Dizzy remembers just hearing the trumpet play the jazz and he goes, that's it. That's me. That's what I want to do. Of course. Well, he spent the rest of his life, Freaking playing jazz music, and he and he was a founding father of the bebop, oh yeah. rhythmic style jazz, oh yeah, trumpet
0: playing. No, he was he was a uh, influencer. He was a huge influencer, and obviously, um, somebody who. Just incredibly, incredibly unique, original. I always, growing up, always remember just being fascinated. And I think part of it, obviously, was, like I said, just watching him play. big bellows of cheeks coming in. Oh, it's
1: amazing. I mean, it's interesting. I'm glad that you showed that to me because it really painted a picture of just how revolutionizing he was. Yeah, I don't know if
0: anybody else ever... You know, I'm sure there's probably some people who, and it may have just been a physical thing where that's just the way he was built. So he was able to do that. But I just wanted a real quick thing, like between the trombone. I was always fascinated with the trombone because you don't have the valves. Don't have the valves. So yeah, you're actually... There's no
1: certain, I'm going to push this down and get a note. You got to use your ear. You You got to use your ear. It's like a fretless bass or a fretless guitar. You have to be, or the violin, you have to be exactly right on the note because it... just a little bit further ahead or back, you're going to start messing with the, mm-hmm. the tonality of that note, and, and then getting a little
0: flatter Yeah, you probably have to have a bit of an ear if you're going to play that, that yeah. instrument. Which obviously, if you want to play music, having a really good ear helps with that too. But helps a little yeah. bit just to That's have exactly an ear. what I was thinking. So,
1: yeah, wow. Okay, last guy's pretty cool. Um, this one's kind of short, but it's pretty That's sweet. Good, it's good because we're kind of long. Yeah, we're, yeah this yeah. episode's going to be long. Who cares? The yeah, first episode's so great. So we we're going like to talk it. about Santana.
0: Oh, Carlos. All right.
1: Um, and you, and since you were just in Mexico, I'm going to pronounce yep. this super wrong, but maybe you can help me. I'm going to pronounce everything wrong. Marty, you just make sure that you're there to catch me. <laughs> God, I hope I can catch you on this. We'll Jalisco, see. Mexico? That would be Jalisco. Jalisco, Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. 1947. That's where uh, Santana was born. And my wife would probably pronounce it even better than that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's a little better. Okay. Um, just like Dizzy was born into music, uh, Santana's father... Jose Santana Mm -hmm. uh, was a working musician. That's what he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, he played. And I didn't know that they had. And you're probably going to laugh. But I didn't know that they had violins in mariachi bands. Oh Usually yeah, you see yeah. like three, the big bass guitar with the big mm-hmm. the big body mm-hmm. and then the guitar and then you see like a trumpet. That's what I always see, you know, and they're playing at you know, dinner houses. I don't know. That's yeah that's what the T V portrays anyways, but maybe Well, I think one. I had
0: seen that, but we were actually watching something while we were in Mexico and it was about Latin music and the influence and they talked about Carlos too. Jalisco, by the way, is actually a state too oh. so it's not a city it's a state and it's where Guadalajara is okay as in Jalisco so I'm kind of familiar with it because we've been to Guadalajara but I had seen I think a violin but when I watched that you realize just how many instruments were sure. actually involved in yeah in there's them, no
1: so. limitations you, yeah whatever sound they were going for that's you know they accommodate with the with the correct instrument
0: yeah and those but, early classical instruments yeah know,
1: and just like Dizzy uh, Santana's father is really credited for uh Carlos's beginning in music, um, Poor
0: Jimmy. A couple
1: other guys had good dads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't line that up very well. But but you uh, know,
0: look at how good he ended up being. But yeah. Also, look at what happened to him later on. That and you that's
1: wonder. Probably, yeah. And this is really probably morbid to talk about, but you wonder if maybe if he wouldn't have had those experiences, like the shot, the whiskey shot, and stuff like that. I mean, would he have been so? You know.
0: That's. That's interesting to contemplate because how would that have affected his career? You know, maybe yeah. he wouldn't have been as legendary. Maybe he would have been still been alive today. Right. Who knows? Who knows? Crazy. Yeah. Um, go, go start talking about death again. You're yeah. Let's again. Not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to bring it back. After yeah. That. Go on.
1: Um, so in an interview with Seattle times.com, mm-hmm. uh, Carlos would recall the time uh, at a young age when he was watching his father play. And he, he, he credits that to be the time when he, and these are his words, got infected with music. Oh. Um, he remembers watching the crowd and the people cheer on his father and then just look in the eye on his father and just the just the uh, the applause that his dad was getting. He wanted to experience that in his life as well. He wanted to be just like his father
0: and have that spotlight. And so, well, and, and, and sorry to interject there no, go ahead. too. And, and hopefully, but I, I think this is part because growing up, I've often wondered that too, is I think it's not just, maybe not just the praise aspect of it, but the energy exchange, that the you energy see. exchange. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and again, a, a lot of boys want to be just like their dad and when they see them in their glory they're like gosh i'm gonna be just like that someday right right um totally cool so Mm -hmm. he quickly joins his father playing in the band okay and carlos plays the violin oh i was just gonna say okay so the violin is would be santana's first instrument Hmm. um cool like father like son yeah there's just one problem Carlos didn't like the violin.
0: Uh, he probably didn't like it. Yeah.
1: He, he, and, he's, and he describes it really funny in this interview. Um, he says he didn't care for the violin. He didn't like its smell. Wow. <laughs> he didn't like the way it felt.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, but mostly he 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 grew less fond of the places that they would play. He hmm. said sometimes they would play in filthy dive bars. Yeah, and Santana wasn't about that. He would, couldn't he even wanted to smell his violin. Then <laughs> <laughs> he wanted bigger and better. He okay. wanted to
0: go the distance, and so. Um... I wonder His, what it smelled like. I'm sorry. I just got stuck the violin, on that. Yeah, what
1: did that, yeah? It's an
0: old one, and a guy, old guy had it there and was breathing <laughs> on it because he put it up by your chin. Maybe it just had a lot of that. Do Smoosh. I
1: have to play Grandpa Joe's violin? Yeah. <laughs> it stings.
0: <laughs> Clean the violin. Here, yeah. here's some vinegar, boy. Clean Yeah. Room. Probably yeah, not yeah. good for a violin.
1: Probably <laughs> not.
0: Okay. So go His on. His dad uh,
1: wasn't thrilled about this, though. Okay. Um, but they ended up uh, immigrating to San Francisco. Okay. And that is where Santana heard blues music for the first time. Oh, and how old was he? Uh, good, good question. It didn't tell me in this interview with him. This is literally Santana. Yeah, maybe this is something you can you can look up quick. Like. in this interview he didn't he just said, you know, soon after that they they moved to San Francisco. Okay. And um, that's where he first listened to blues music. And along with blues music, of course, um, heavily involved in blues music is the guitar. Okay. And that's yeah. where he found his connection there. Um, his father, again, wasn't crazy about the guitar. Maybe it oh. just wasn't as much of an admired instrument like the violin was, probably in the work that he had done in his life. Okay. Uh, I'm just speculating. But, um he did end up, and this is great. This is the support every parent should have. He did end up buying Santana his first guitar. Okay. So though he didn't like it, wanted him to be a violin player, he was like, "Hey, if this is what you're interested in, then let's get you started. Let's okay. get you going." And that was really cool. Okay. So what's cool is fast forward. Um, Good. Carlos Santana becomes, you know, the big name. Uh, what what he's all about. Uh, in he buys his dad a pristine. Uh, High end Vintage violin um, To pay tribute to his dad And I think his dad Had later passed away Shortly I think 1997 And in the 80s Is when he got his violin Anyways The violin Is currently on display In the American Sabor Latino music Exhibit It's been deodorized no, it's a different one.
0: Oh, but he bought him like a pristine,
1: nice oh. violin for his dad, and now it's on display as a part of Latino culture in the music exhibit. Okay, so his dad,
0: um, and I'm probably missed this, but if you go back, his dad. Was a violin player yep. too? Okay, yep. so then mm-hmm. he was going to play the same instrument. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. Right, right. Okay. So that just pays homage like, yeah, Dad, you didn't like what I did, but look where I got and, and I'm going to give it back to you now. You nice. bought my first guitar. I'm going to buy you this really expensive,
0: be beautiful. Not stinky. Not all. All. stinky. smelled like <laughs> rosewood guitar. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, that it, that's awesome. a short thing, but that caught me. And in, in specifically their stories, there were others. Um, but these guys just really hit me. They had a really cool kind of story around their first instrument. So, well,
0: well done, Jared. I think that's fascinating. I there think you he, go. it. Now I'm yeah. going to do that again. Hendrix and now. the one-string uke, baby. Yeah, and it was, you know, and I probably can't pronounce this, but I never realized his full name is Carlos Umberto Santana Barrayon. Wow. That's the last part I'm probably saying wrong, but they don't actually give an exact date for when he moved, but he was born in 47 and they moved in the sixties. So I'm assuming he was probably still a teenager okay, at the time when they moved a young fellow, a young fellow, well, but had quite a, you know, experience in, uh, before moving to the States and Mexico. Yeah. So very And cool. music, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's it, baby. That's my that's my OTM meat and potatoes right there.
0: Well, I love it, and you know what I love most about this, and that's good news for you outsiders too. Is, uh, you know, we've we have occasionally struggled a little bit about you know anytime you do something like this, you're like God, we got we need content, we need content. You know, if you got ideas, chime in, send us a. Don't forget to subscribe. And check us out on uh, YouTube, on Podbean, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And we'd love to hear feedback. And Jarrett did a cool survey thing. Yeah. We, Maybe we can do some more of that, too. We got
1: good so. feedback off that survey. I want to thank you guys for participating in that, those that did. Um, <clears throat> we'll probably shoot out some more, so just be on the lookout for that. But, yeah, any feedback, I and mean, we've got outside the OutsideTheMic uh, at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. And you've had a cool experience with um, – Mm -hmm. a musician or a legend that you ran into at some point that would be really cool Um, we're going to have some guests on in this season that are going to kind of talk about their story and music and um, that's kind of some of the fun stuff that's going to be happening here in season three but really this podcast is for you guys Uh, Marty and I have spent uh, the time that we've known each other having these conversations and this banter and stories alone and that's kind of part of the reason why we decided let's start a a podcast. Maybe this is something others are interested in hearing. And and so far, uh, we appreciate all the love that you guys have given us. But uh, we always strive to make make it for you. And if you want to be a part of it, that's great.
0: Absolutely. Let's say we've we've definitely gotten enough out of it and experienced enough interchanging with the outsiders that have been there so far. That's made it worthwhile to get to season three. Here we are. So we're we're uh, committed committed we're, baby and we should be committed yeah but uh we really appreciate it i'm excited i'm happy we're rolling again on season three yeah so, so that's everything for uh,
1: episode one season three again like marty said check us out on all podcast streaming platforms we are on youtube social media facebook instagram we look forward to hearing from y'all
0: yeah and i'm martin meyer and i'm jared weimer thanks stay tuned outside the mic Inside the mind